Well, Habari Ya Asubui. Close, yeah. You can respond to that. Missouri Sana. Okay, so we'll try it again. Habari Ya Asubui. You guys are ready for a Swahili lesson number two now. Um, that is Swahili for good morning. And then what your response was, Missouri Sana, means very good. My name is Andrew Breton, and for the past five years, I've been serving here at Grace Chapel's Lexington campus as director of middle school ministries. But most recently, for the past six months, I've been living and serving in Nairobi, Kenya working at a church called Nairobi Chapel. It was Grace Chapel that sent me there to this particular church to learn about uh, Christianity in Kenya and also to learn how this church does leadership development. Hence my African garb this morning and uh, my Swahili introduction. It's a joy to be with you this morning. My hope is as we open God's word together that we will walk away with something new and fresh that we can take back with us this week. Before we get started, uh, I'd like to give a quick shout out to two special groups of people. The first is my dear friends at Nairobi Chapel. I'd like to spend, uh, send a special greeting to Pastors Oscar, Pastor B, and Pastor Nick, alongside the rest of the leadership team at Nairobi Chapel. These folks welcomed me into their church and they hosted me uh, beautifully. As well, I'd like to extend a special uh, greeting to my two host families, the Makumi family and the Mugera family. These families graciously welcomed me into their home. They gave me a safe place to process what I was experiencing in the moment. We laughed a lot. I asked a lot of questions. And uh, by the time I left, I call them close friends. So thank you. Uh, thank you, friends, for being there for me. The second group of people I'd like to, to thank is our Grace Chapel Student Ministries team, who, when I left, they stepped up, filled in the gap, and led beautifully. I'd like to recognize them by name. The, in, uh, Jocelyn Ennis, she uh, was the one who uh, led the middle school ministry as an interim director. I'd also like to recognize Tabby Stark and uh, Brian Craig and Angela Rogers, as well as Tim Galley, Leah Knight, and Tory Rocket. These folks supported me from day one, and I'm grateful for that. As, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Some of them are here, maybe up that way. Thanks. As well, I, I'd also like to thank pastors Brian, Bill, and Jeanette, who, who walked with me through this discerning process, and uh, that was just a special time with them. And a big shout out to our middle school volunteers, two of which are in the front row right here. They are the core of what we do in middle school ministry, so give them a round of applause. Thank you. It's because of their service and their commitment that I was even able to step away from the ministry for six months. Now, I know that's a lot of thank yous, but the, the truth is, is that God used a lot of people in me going to Kenya. And I'm very grateful for that. So thank you, guys. When I was a child, I remember riding around in my dad's Oldsmobile, listening to some Christian music. 
And I remember a particularly vivid line from one of the songs. And it went a little bit like this. Please don't send me to Africa. I don't think I've got what it takes. I'm just a man. I'm not a Tarzan. Don't like lions, gorillas, and snakes. I, I, I'm no Robert Bloodworth, I know, but I, I, I might be getting there, right? I might be getting there. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That song is just kind of strange, right? I mean, it's, it's borderline offensive. <laughs> uh, but, but the catchy refrain of that song is familiar to many of us, including myself. When often, uh, we often have a hard time saying okay to God. Because we think he might send us somewhere crazy, like to be a missionary in Africa. God might be calling you today to say okay to something crazy. Maybe it's changing your career or going back to school or volunteering here at Grace Chapel or somewhere in your community. But friends, I can assure you that after spending six months in Africa, the people are friendly. The land is beautiful and the church is thriving but you still might have some fears around some of those callings in your own life. And the fears around saying okay are real, especially when it's okay to the new and unfamiliar. These six months in Kenya caught me by complete surprise. I can actually remember specific instances in college where I said, I'd never be a missionary in Africa. But God certainly does have a sense of humor, doesn't he? That's right. I see that hand. It was in September 2013 that I first heard about this opportunity to go to Kenya from our missions pastor, Jeanette Yep. After that conversation, I really didn't think much more about it. It was kind of one of those thoughts, well, that'd be cool, but I have a life here, a ministry to lead. It could never happen, or so I thought. But I couldn't quite get it out of my head. Then more follow-up conversations had me reconsidering this idea. What was happening? Well, now reflecting back on it, I can see that God was working from the very beginning, that his Holy Spirit was prodding me along in this process. I began wondering if this was something God was actually calling me into. I was surprised. I was nervous. I was excited. Because I knew That if I went to Kenya, my life would probably never be the same. For the teaching series at Grace Chapel this summer, we've been studying one-word prayers. So far, we've looked at please, help, and wow. And today, we're looking at the one-word prayer, okay. All through the Bible, we find people praying okay prayers to God. Remember Moses at the burning bush? He has a decision to make. Will he lean in or will he walk away? Or what about Esther? At the moment that her nation needed her the most, she could either speak up or stay silent. The Bible is filled with these okay prayers. In fact, okay prayers are often defining moments for us. They can literally change the direction of our lives. So what does an okay prayer look like? An okay prayer is best characterized as a prayer of obedience. 
I can say from experience that these are some of the toughest prayers that we can pray. But they're also the most important prayers that we might pray. So let's look to the Bible. Let's look at a familiar character and see what his response is when God calls him to do something. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now in this particular passage, this is pretty early on in Jesus' public ministry. His recruiting is underway. He's looking for disciples, the people that he would entrust his kingdom to. It's an intentional and thoughtful process. So as we read these first couple of verses, read it through the lens that every word is important. That every action that Jesus takes is not by accident. Let's start reading verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, the one belonging to Simon, uh, left there by the fishermen, who were there washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats full until they began to sink. So here we find Peter, a professional fisherman, who's just trying to clean up his nets, go home, get some rest after a long night out on the water and no fish. But as he's cleaning his nets, in steps Jesus. He commandeers his boat and he asks Peter to get back in the boat, push it back out into the water, and let down the nets. Notice how Jesus asks Peter to do something. And what is Peter's response. In verse 4, we see that Peter essentially says, okay. Remember, at this point in the story, Peter has no idea who Jesus is, never mind that he is God. To him, he probably thought Jesus was just an, another itinerant rabbi looking to gain some followers. And yet, Peter says yes to admittedly a strange request. For Peter, it took some curiosity, some wonder, some faith to say yes that day, to see what Jesus would do next. And what happens next must have been completely unexpected. For Peter, this was probably a wow moment. The nets became so full of fish that they literally began to burst. Remember what we said before? Everything that Jesus does is intentional. This was Jesus starting small. Put your nets down when there's no logical reason to do so. And I will reward your faithfulness with a boat full of fish. Oftentimes when we take steps of faith, I wonder if Jesus rewards us with little miracles along the way. 
just to remind us that the call is real, that it's worth it to follow him. It doesn't always happen, but when it does, when we notice it, it can really encourage us. Peter must have been feeling pretty amazed in this particular moment. I mean, he could have said no to the whole putting out to deeper water and putting down the nets. But he said okay, and God gave him the catch of a lifetime. There seems to be a certain progression to okay moments with God. In a lot of ways, saying okay is like saying, okay, God, I'm ready for what's next. Though I have no clue what that might be. So we learn from the beginning of the story this simple truth that when you say okay to God, you take a step of faith. When you say okay to God, you take a step of faith. Well, what is faith anyways? Well, it's trusting in someone or something that they're going to do what they said they're going to do. Many times we sense that God's calling us to do something. It takes faith on our part to respond and say okay. It could be that God is simply asking you to spend a little bit more time with him before your busy day gets started. Or maybe you're avoiding a tough conversation and God's prompting you and prodding you to invest some time and have that tough conversation. When I was discerning as to whether or not I would go to Kenya, I had a similar experience to Peter. I wasn't on the uh, the shores of the Sea of the Gennesaret, but I found myself in a cabin in the middle of the New Hampshire woods, alone on a cold and dreary November day. And it was in that moment that I was wrestling with God. I was afraid of what his answer might be if he indeed was calling me to Kenya. In some ways, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for it, so I ignored him for like the first half of the week I spent alone there. Then slowly, he began to work in my heart. See, I knew I needed to get away from it all for a while. I needed to hear the still and quiet voice of God before I made such a life-changing decision. And after a few weeks, I prayed that prayer, my first of many okay prayers to God. Okay, I'll go to Kenya. This is what I wrote in my journal after praying, okay. God, I think I have a fear and control problem. Help me to surrender my life fully to you as I walk in obedience and love. Increase my faithfulness. Pour out your spirit on me. In this moment, I was having a hard time giving God complete control of my life. That's why I describe it as wrestling. I was afraid, very afraid. So my okay prayer to God was more like, kind of, sort of, I guess, if you say so, okay prayer to God. I responded to God's call on my life with a little bit of faith and a whole lot of fear. And thus, this began my crazy African safari. What we say to God, when we say okay to God, we often have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. Because there are a whole lot of unknowns out there that we might be saying yes to. There are no formulas, cheat sheets, 
or strategies when we say okay to God. All we have to do is show a small amount of faith, just like Peter, put down the nets and waited to see what God would do next. My friends, this is often right where Jesus needs us. He positions us to a place of complete surrender and deep and utter dependence on him so that he can use us and change us. Well, let's continue the story and see what Peter's response is when he sees that the fish are overflowing in the boat. In verse 8, we read this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken in. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So Peter's response is one of awe and humility. He lays himself down and calls himself unworthy. He confesses that Jesus is not the teacher that he thought he was, but that Jesus is truly Lord. It's in this moment that Peter begins to know who Jesus is. I mean, imagine this. In one moment, Peter's fishing, and then the next, he's having this encounter with God. Peter and I have a lot in common. Because right after I stepped out in faith, I too found myself in a vulnerable place, knowing that God was real, but having no idea what would be next. Any good safari guide will tell you that safaris have their ups and downs. I had a chance to, to go on safari, a real African safari, to the Maasai Mara. Think uh, Lion King, but real life. And it was in this moment uh, that we were in the midst of thousands of wildebeest. And we found ourselves waiting right at the banks of the Mara River for the infamous wildebeest migration, the crossing of that river. Because you see, when one wildebeest decided to cross, thousands would follow. It's one of the greatest natural God-given wonders of our world. And so we sat there in our land cruiser, and we waited, and waited, and waited. Unfortunately, that day, though they dabbled in the river, the wildebeest never crossed. See, sometimes in the midst of fulfilling our call, we find ourselves waiting too. We find ourselves struggling, and that's okay. Culture shock hit me pretty hard in month two and month three of my trip to Kenya. I was feeling very ungrounded, not really anchored at all. My biggest regret from my time there is that I responded to this difficult time in isolation. Almost unconsciously, I found myself disengaging with the people that were there and leaning more and more and more on myself. I, I found myself wrestling between this call that God had placed on my life and possibly leaving. It was a hard moment. But I found myself in that particular moment saying, okay, okay, okay. Sometimes okay is a daily prayer. It's a moment-by-moment -moment type of prayer. 
It was a humbling experience for me, going from being a director here at Grace Chapel to just an, in, an intern, a trainee at Nairobi Chapel. I went from a place where I felt very known to a place where no one knew me. I was expecting to learn about different leadership models and ministry models and all that, but I ended up learning a whole lot more about myself. It's as if God was reshuffling this deck of cards in my soul. And here I am putting the cards back together again, discovering that this me is a new me, that I'm a different person now. When we pray okay to God, we say yes to doing the harder thing. And waiting and learning true humility are very hard things. I wonder if Peter knew what he was getting himself into when he said, okay, that day. I wonder if he sensed that there was something bigger going on. I wonder if he was truly up for the adventure or challenge that was set before him. For Peter, it would have been much easier to keep living a life fishing. For me, it would have been much easier to continue to serve at Grace Chapel in the role that I had. But when we enter into harder and better moments with God, we have this tremendous opportunity for our lives to be transformed. For me, I realized I'd much rather live uh, maybe a harder, less comfortable life if it was more authentic than an easier, comfortable life. But it took me a while to get to that moment. Praying okay to God sometimes means you have to sit in the boat with Jesus and just wait and see what's next. But whatever it is, you can be sure that another okay moment is coming. The reality is, is that in the great safari of life that God is calling each of us to, it isn't always clear what's next. I mean, do you think Peter had any idea what experiences awaited him? I doubt he did. But it was a series of okays and even a string of no's that led him to this moment. When I first arrived at Nairobi Chapel, I was assigned to a particular uh, social justice ministry. Uh, this Nairobi Chapel is trying to adopt schools and, uh, and improve the school life, uh, to transform the school completely. So we adopted a, they adopted a school in one of the informal settlements, which is kind of a politically correct term for a slum. So I was put on this team. And here at this particular school, we had three goals, one of which was to uh, restore running water. The second was to install a biodigester that would provide uh, cooking gas uh, to the school's kitchen, as well as improve the reading level of all the students in the school. Now, I had no experience with any of this. To me, that was another unfamiliar moment in which I had to say, okay. This is probably how Peter felt in that moment when he discovered who Jesus was. He felt helpless and fulfilled. On one hand, he was broken, but then he was comforted because he was with the living God. Oftentimes, when we pray okay and do the harder thing, it requires us to swallow a huge humility pill. 
Reflecting on it now, I think God had great purpose in putting me in an unfamiliar ministry at the bottom of the barrel. I learned that this particular safari was less about learning new ministry and more about God helping me to change who I was at the soul level. It was as if I was like clay and he was the potter. It was like iron sharpening iron. My life was like gold being refined by the fire. I felt that God was molding and shaping me through this experience. And we have to believe that as Peter continued to follow Jesus, that's how he felt too. And it can be hard, it can be uncomfortable, but it's worth it. So let's look at this final verse here, the final okay moment in this passage. Remember, at this point, Peter has already said okay twice. First, Jesus asked him to put out the boat so that he could teach from it. Remember the whole, like, floating pulpit thing? And then he asked, put out the boat to deeper water and lay down your nets. So here we find his third okay moment. In verse 10, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. For many of us, if we're being truly honest, it's fear that keeps us from saying okay to God. But Jesus already knew that. He knew that for Peter. That's why he said, don't be afraid. He knew that for me. That's why he said, don't be afraid. And you better believe that today, as Jesus might be calling you to say okay to something, that he knows that for you. Don't be afraid. That's why he goes out of the way to say it. Remember, everything that Jesus does is intentional. His words are not by accident. So my friends, whatever God might be calling you to, whatever he's stirring in you, don't be afraid. I mean, this was Peter's biggest okay moment. From here on out, Peter's life would never be the same. His identity and purpose would change. When Peter said okay to God, he began a journey as a changed man. When I said okay to God, I was saying yes to discovering a better version of myself. My prayer life deepened. My health improved. My heart was softened for a part of the world that I had never been to. I began to learn to see what it looks like to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, to not think too highly of myself, and to learn more deeply what true leadership is. In a lot of ways, I became new. When we say okay to God, we discover who we really are. So why say okay to God? Because God uses these moments to shape our identity and gives purpose to our lives when we say okay. Towards the end of my time in Kenya, uh, I switched departments from working in that social justice ministry to working in the leadership development department of that church. It's around this same time that a friend asked me, what makes you feel truly alive? What makes you feel truly alive? And I had to think about it for a while. And while I was asking myself this question, 
I found myself being tasked with teaching a class on leadership to about 30 or so interns. I had to prepare for the class and then teach this three-hour long class. And you know what? I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved studying. I loved preparing. I loved teaching. I loved the, the conversation that we would have in class. And I thought to myself, I feel most alive when I'm teaching and thinking about leadership. My friends, I would have never gotten to that moment in that way if I didn't say okay. It was in that moment that I was like discovering myself a bit, that God was revealing parts of himself to me. Saying okay to God is worth it because you can discover who you really are. Some of you might be reflecting right now. You might be saying, I think I've missed the boat. I think God gave me an okay moment and I, I backed away. It's okay. Another moment is coming. And God's grace is sufficient for you. Don't beat yourself up. Just be ready for the next okay moment that might be coming your way. Because, my friends, it is definitely coming. Remember the words of Jesus. Don't be afraid. I am with you. So we have some questions to consider this morning. What is God calling you to say okay to? What is God calling our church to say okay to? In the quietness of this moment, what do you feel God is calling you to lay down and surrender? Chances are, God's probably stirring something in your heart right now. What is he calling you to do? For some of us, it might be a conversation. For others, it might be a career change. For others, it might be an invitation to begin or recommit to following Jesus. Maybe God's calling you to commit to volunteering at your kid's school next year. Maybe God has placed a particular ministry on your heart. And you really need to step up and volunteer come this fall. Maybe God has placed a person on your heart. Someone that, that he's calling you to reach out to, to grab coffee with or take out to lunch, just to check in and see how that person is doing, to care for them. What is God calling you to do today? Because chances are, he is calling you. While not every person is going to be called to go to Africa, everyone in this room is called to be a follower of Jesus. Saying okay to God will certainly stretch you, but the safari is worth it. For anyone in this room who's practiced saying okay to God, they will tell you that it took a step of faith. That it was hard, but it was worth it. I'm a different person now than I was six months ago. And if you say okay to God, you'll be different too. For Peter, he had no idea what it meant to catch men or follow Jesus. But remember Peter? He went on to be an early church father. 
He went on to be a great preacher. Remember Pentecost? That's the same guy, the fisherman, Peter. He just knew that Jesus was master and that all he could do was follow him. His little bit of faith and his willingness to do the harder thing sent him off on a great safari. A safari in which he discovered his true calling, his best version of himself, and a new identity. But Peter, just like us, had to lay some things down. He had, to, he had to say goodbye to the familiar, to the comfortable, in order to discover who he really was. Because God had a mission for him. So when we say okay to God, we say yes to life with God. Trusting that life with God is better than life without God. So my challenge to you this morning, friends, is very simple. Look at the story of Peter, and I hope you see that it's way, way worth it to say okay to God than to say no to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we know that your Holy Spirit is present in this room. Lord, I pray for these people that you would speak to them. Lord, I pray for some who might be hurting this morning, that your spirit would comfort them, that they're okay is just to accept your grace and your love this morning. Father, I pray for others who might have big decisions on the horizon. I pray that they would have the strength and the courage to say okay. I pray, God, that you would guide them through that process. Lord, I pray for all of us that we might be better followers of you, that we might not be afraid. God, we're grateful for this moment to sit in quiet, to see what you might have to speak to us. I pray that whatever you spoke to the people in this room, that it wouldn't just stay here, that they would take it this week that they would live it out. Lord, we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your guidance, for your wisdom, and for your truth. Help us, Lord. We need your help to be better followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen.